With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SubChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. As many of our listeners will know, in just a week's time, China will be celebrating the Lunar New Year and, of course, welcoming the Year of the Tiger. We here at the Caixin Seneca Business Brief will also be taking it easy over the upcoming seven-day holiday But before we do that, we've got plenty of juicy business news to get through on today's show. We've got the latest on the power crunch, Huawei's antics, as well as a pretty explosive revelation on the devastating floods that besieged the city of Zhengzhou in Henan province last summer. But first, one case of COVID-19 in Beijing has aroused widespread sympathy online. That's after the 44-year-old migrant workers' recent movements were published for disease control purposes. The record shows that Beijing's first person infected with the Delta variant this year had worked in dozens of places over 18 days, mostly late at night, and hardly visited any places to eat. The migrant worker, who is surnamed Yue, was diagnosed as an asymptomatic COVID case on January 18th, In Beijing, Yue was mainly employed carrying building materials such as cement bags weighing up to 50 kilograms or moving waste construction material from place to place. But that's not the only personal challenge Yue is grappling with. Speaking from quarantine, the man told the media that his son has been missing for two years. To find his son, Yue has traveled far and wide, supporting himself by taking on temporary jobs. This glimpse into the life of this hardworking migrant worker triggered emotional responses online, with many reposting a photo of the man's lost son on their Weibo pages. Some people compared the difference of recent movements between Yue and an Omicron case in Beijing. The latter's recent movements show she had visited luxury shops, dined out, and traveled around town in a private car. Social media users have been quick to note stark contrasts between the two pointing out how it reflects the wide gulf in living standards within the Chinese capital. Huawei is back in the news. That's after its investment arm, Hubble, has registered as a private equity and venture capital fund manager. The move highlights the telecommunications equipment giant's ambition to expand its footprint in the advanced manufacturing investment sector. Hubble was founded in 2019, 
Public records show that it has a registered capital of 3 billion yuan, or around $470 million, and has invested in more than 40 companies. Many of them are parts of the semiconductor supply chain that includes chip design, manufacturing, and testing. Huawei's own chip-making ambitions suffered a huge blow in recent years amid U.S. sanctions and a global chip supply shortage. Analysts say that the company's semiconductor investments could be part of a move to build up its own chip-making know-how, potentially allowing it to fully design and manufacture chips in China someday to sidestep any further restrictions from the U.S. or other countries. Let's dig into the latest on the Chinese yuan. The value of the currency against the U.S. dollar maintained its upward momentum at the beginning of 2022. The yuan spot exchange rate against the U.S. dollar hovered around 6.34 on Friday. The same trend is also indicated by the latest reading of the CFETS RMB index. The index measures the value of the yuan against a basket of 24 currencies, including the U.S. dollar and the euro. The index rose to a six-year high of 102.98 on January 7th before dropping slightly. What's behind the yen's surge? Well, it comes down to a record trade surplus and better-than-expected economic growth data. Indeed, China's trade surplus in 2021 hit a record high with December's export value beating market expectations and rising almost 21% year-on-year in dollar terms. Despite a property market slump and increasingly frequent COVID-19 flare-ups, economic growth for the whole year and the fourth quarter also exceeded expectations, coming in at 8.1% and 4% respectively. Last week, group buying found itself in an uncomfortable spotlight. That's after the China Consumer Association issued a warning about the fast-developing industry The state-backed non-government organization said that cheap goods sold on online grocery store group buying platforms often fail to meet basic standards. According to its statement, common problems include product dumping, deceptive pricing, and, most of all, low quality. The warning on shoddy products comes after a mixed 2021 for community group buying platforms, with the business seeing strong growth but some companies bowing out amid fierce competition and tightening scrutiny over potentially anti-competitive behaviors by the biggest players. Guangdong is, of course, southern China's manufacturing hub and one of the country's wealthiest provinces. According to the local government, last year the authorities rationed the province's electricity for a total of 66 days. The maximum load for Guangdong's power grid surged to record highs seven times during the year. Amid the mayhem, The Guangdong government ordered rationing of electricity for businesses starting in mid-September, forcing companies to take turns halting production. Although this may seem like a local story, Guangdong's case provides a snapshot of a sweeping power crunch that hit China over the past year as surging coal prices discouraged electricity generation to support reviving industrial demand. Although the nationwide power crunch has eased since late October, analysts said, supply will remain tight in 2022. And moving from power to property, analysts say that China's troubled property firms face a tough first quarter, no surprise. That's as they have had to pay back a record amount of offshore bonds while new home sales are depressed and finding financing remains a challenge. 
According to a report from brokerage Huatai Securities, in the first three months of 2022, developers face obligations to repay close to 118 billion yuan, or $18.5 billion, in maturing offshore bonds. That marks a record quarterly high. As a reminder, since the second half of 2021, a number of property giants, most notably China Evergrande Group, have been mired in liquidity crises in part due to tightening financing rules. This has led to suspensions of many housing projects because the pre-sales revenue of those projects had been allocated by the developers for other projects. Regulators have begun relaxing financing curbs over the last few weeks to shore up the languishing market. Banks have been directed to accelerate mortgage approvals to support house sales. The central bank is encouraging financial institutions to fund mergers and acquisitions in the property industry to help defuse risks. Also gaining a lot of attention these past few days is China's waning birth rate. The declining number of women of childbearing age, especially those aged 20 to 34, has been cited as a major cause of the demographic trend. That's according to Yang Jinrui, deputy director of the National Health Commission's Population Surveillance and Family Development Department. At a press conference last week, Yang said that the number of women in the 20 to 34 age group decreased by an average of 3.4 million per year from 2016 to 2020. Meanwhile, the decline reached 4.73 million in 2021 compared to 2020. While the health official recognized that the drop in China's birth rate was driven by multiple factors, such as the high costs of parenting and changing attitudes toward marriage and childbearing among young people, Yang said the declining number of women of childbearing age had a big impact. As a reminder, last year, the domestic birth rate hit a record low. Now, earlier on the show, I mentioned that there has been some breaking news on the Zhengzhou floods. Here to tell us about the dramatic developments, some truly damning findings about the handling of the uh, of the floods, is Caixin Global's podcast producer and co-producer of this show, Nandini Venkata. Welcome back, Nandini. Hey, Kaiser. It's great to be back on the show. Okay, so before we talk about the outcome of the investigation, perhaps uh, we can remind folks about the terrible floods that inundated Zhengzhou last summer. Yeah, of course. So back in July, Henan province, which is located in central China, suffered days of torrential rain. And the disaster really had a huge cost on the province as a whole. Henan suffered direct economic losses worth 120 billion yuan. So that's around 19 billion US dollars. But of course, for many people, this is really nothing compared to the enormous human cost. Nearly 400 people in the province are said to have died in the flooding or are still missing um, as of late September. And around 95% of these victims are said to have been in Zhengzhou. So Zhengzhou is the capital city of Henan province. And I'm sure many listeners will remember things really coming to a head in Zhengzhou on July 20th last year. Um, that is, of course, the day when the city experienced record rainfall in a single day with just 
buckets and buckets of water just falling on the city. So you had all these horrible images emerging of the city um, with streets just turned into rivers and rainwater gushing into subways and road tunnels. And in the wake of all of this, you had people, you know, having to run out of their cars and leave them behind. Others saw their homes being swept away. And of course, another really big story that got a lot of news coverage was how you had over 500 passengers um, stuck in subway carriages And that was after the city's metro system got flooded and essentially paralyzed. These people on board, many of them were trapped for hours with water seeping into the carriages. And of course, all of this was happening as the air in the carriages was growing thinner and thinner. And of course, many of these people were eventually rescued. But quite tragically, not everyone made it out alive. Sounds like an absolute nightmare scenario. Uh, So now the big news is that the central government has come out with a new report about how the city responded to the floods, and a lot of shocking things have come to light. Yeah, Kaiser, that's right. So this report follows a probe by the central government into the floods in Zhangzhou. And as a reminder, not long after the city was hit by the floods, the state council set up an investigation team and it vowed to look into um, and look into and punish any misconduct in the official response to the deadly flooding in Zhangzhou. And as you say, the fundings of the report are truly damning. They basically reveal serious problems and deficiencies of how Zhangzhou officials handled this crisis. And this really, really isn't minor stuff. The local officials are said to have deliberately obstructed the reporting of the deaths, as well as the disappearances of over 100 people in the floods. In fact, the investigation found that Zhengzhou officials um, at the city, county, and township levels either failed to report or delayed the reporting of the deaths and disappearances of around 139 people. If we go back to the horrible incidents with the subway that got stuck underground, well, it turns out that actually 14 people had died when the Zhengzhou subway system became paralyzed on July 20th. And this is actually two more deaths than what the city had originally announced in the immediate aftermath of the disaster. And while Zhengzhou officials were meant to report casualties to their superiors on a daily basis, the investigation found out that actually this didn't happen. Now, what's also pretty eye-catching is that the report has also highlighted how Zhengzhou authorities seem to prioritize um, something what's been described as face engineering, over their real duties. So when I say face engineering, it basically means that they seem to be more interested in trying to save their own faces and make themselves look good. Okay, and Nandini, does the report say anything about Zhengzhou's Sponge City program? Because uh, Zhengzhou was said to have spent a 
huge amount of money to improve its drainage system, its drainage capacity. And that led to uh, people wondering naturally why it coped so poorly with the flooding if it had this supposedly new and improved drainage system. Yeah, you're right there. So there has definitely been a lot of suspicion over why the city's drainage system didn't perform at the hour of need, even though it was meant to be you know, enhanced and reinforced by this very expensive Sponge City program. So the report found that um, Zhangzhou had actually invested close to 20 billion yuan in this program that had um, started in 2016. But it turns out that only around a third of the funding was actually used to build and enhance flood control infrastructure, while around 56% of the funding was used for landscaping and greening. I guess I should point out that greening is actually a big part of any sponge city approach. The idea being that, you know, plain old soil, a green space actually absorbs rainwater, well, a whole lot better than concrete, right? Uh, Anyway, I guess the big question here is what happens now? Are those local officials going to be facing serious consequences? What we've heard so far is that eight company staff in the city have been detained and they've been um, put under criminal investigation. Um, I understand that these people are said to be mostly linked to the construction of a car park whose retaining wall collapsed under the pressure of flood water. And it was the collapse of that wall that led to the drownings on the submerged subway. Now, aside from that, the state were on um, Xinhua News Agency reported on Friday that Hunan's um, party discipline watchdogs have held 89 officials accountable for what's been described as suspected violations of law and discipline. And among that group is Zhangzhou's mayor, who's now been demoted and given a so-called serious warning from the party Zhangzhou's Communist Party chief has also been demoted, and that's after he was judged to have mishandled the floods and neglected his duties. But my best guess is that there could be many, many more developments coming our way on this. So this is definitely not the last we've heard about the story. Okay, thanks so much, Nandini. Yeah, thanks, Kaiser. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Likewise. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Tyson Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Andini Venkata with stories from the staff of Tyson Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin of Tyson Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of our new podcasts on the Seneca Network, like China Stories, featuring the best writing on China from around the web, and the China Sports Insider podcast. And for daily news and views, Make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.